0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live.
1: We live. live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by my friend, my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats, David Walker.
0: Good morning, Doug. I'm mixing a cough drop and coffee this morning, Doug.
1: That sounds dangerous.
0: Yeah, don't do it.
1: One time, I I was working the late shift for a restaurant in college, and I mixed a Red Bull and a Cherry Coke. Whoa. Next thing I knew, surprise, surprise, I had an ulcer.
0: <laughs> That's something you can only do in college, you crazy kid.
1: Right. Uh, so don't try that at home, kids. Uh, okay, we've got a great show. We're going to recap uh, yesterday's matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers, plus Malik Monk gets the... Call up at backup point guard with Michael Carter-Williams on the mend. Interesting comments from Steve Clifford before the game on Malik Monk and what he basically what skills that he has now and what he still has to work on. So we'll discuss that. And I saw something interesting on Twitter. I know that a few days ago I said that Twitter was the worst, that, mm-hmm. that Twitter – uh, did, you know what What did I say? What did I? Did Twitter? Did Twitter I say it was word. vile? Did I say Twitter was was uh, uh f- full of the worst of humanity? I still believe that. But sometimes you can find some. <laughs> sometimes you can find some interesting things on there. Uh, I found a graph talking about the NBA, uh, the NBA bench production, and uh, I found some interesting things there on the Charlotte Hornets. So we'll get into that. Uh, But first, let's talk about this game last night, David. Hornets lose 128-114. Dwight Howard led the way with 30 points on a night where Kimba Walker was MIA, missing in action, one of nine from the field, missed all five three-point attempts, and he missed three free throws as well. He finished with five points. But the offense generally played well. It was the defense that let them down last night. Sixers shoot 57.5% from the field And 48.5% from three. They had seven players in double figures. The biggest boost coming from Robert Covington, who was Kimball Walker's assignment, due to the fact that Philadelphia has a point guard in Ben Simmons that is six foot 10 inches tall and had to be guarded by someone else. David, what did you see in this game that we called a must win? And the Hornets Mm -hmm. did not win it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't think you're going to win many with Kemba going for uh what was just uh just five po- uh sorry, just yeah, just five points mm-hmm. there. But you got enough offense. You scored 114 points. You just can't let the other team score 128 and you mentioned the shooting of the Philadelphia 76ers. So it was really the defense of the Hornets that let them down in this one and has been letting them down a little bit over the last couple of games here. Um, that's going to be their calling card. That's going to be how they win. And when they don't do that, it really doesn't matter what else they do because they got the scoring from Kaminsky and Lamb off the bench, 21 total points there. They even got 12 additional points from Trevion Graham. And as you mentioned, a big, big game from uh, Dwight Howard. And Batum had a nice game as well. I mean, so the production was there. They just cannot allow the other team to do what they did. And I do think it does affect him if Kemba is not doing what he normally does because that just you know it, it's a different feel. But the production was there; they just can't stand to give up that many points.
1: Yeah, he seemed to be frustrated all night to the point that uh, Jordan Greer from Sporting News looked over to me at one point and said, "Is is everything okay with Kimba? Like he just he looked off." And after the game, Steve Clifford said. Listen, he's not a machine. Uh, the guy's played. I mean, he's a human being. He's played at such an incredibly high level all year that you're going to have games now and then when you're not. Uh, he's been so when you're not there. I mean, he's yep. been so consistent. Sooner or later, you're not going to get 27 every night. You're just not. So that was Steve Clifford after the game on Kimba Walker. Uh, but it just <clears throat> it wasn't just offense. He had a tough assignment in Robert Covington, who was, was much taller. I mean, he's a forward. He's a small forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, and he has to be guarded by Kimball Walker. And Covington was 7 of 11 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, 22 points on the night and really could shoot over the top of Kimball Walker whenever he wanted. Kimball was closing hard, and it didn't matter because Covington was just shooting over the top. And there was a point late in the second quarter where I thought to myself, like, why are they not giving the ball to Covington every time? And uh, then I sort of, So I'm sorry, I spoke it into existence. This is really, this is really about <laughs> me, and, my, and it was my fault. So I'm sorry to everyone out there. Uh, one of the other big factors, David, uh, we could talk about this, Michael Kidd Gilchrist being thrown out of the game, picking mm-hmm. up two consecutive technicals for arguing with the ref, and uh, after uh, he, he thought he was fouled, and, and I'm, I'm sure upon replay he was fouled, uh, it seemed like everyone on Twitter felt like MKG had a case to be made, but he just made it a little too hard, got ejected from the game, only played 14 minutes, and, and that was tough for the Charlotte Hornets because they were already having issues defensively. And then to lose MKG, that just doubled down.
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, we've talked about what happens when this team is not at full strength, whether it is due to injury or in this case, disqualification. I told you there would be at least one technical in this game, Doug. I, I said there might be two. I definitely thought they were going to come from Dwight Howard. He got one. Uh, <laughs> okay. Everybody was goes. getting technicals in this one. Joel got-
1: Embiid, I think, got one as well. Yeah, they were they were handing them out uh, liberally.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch on the stretch here, as these refs probably are not going to take much from uh, many teams. You know, it's been a, it's been a stressful season for everyone, but. Without MKG, man. I mean, just look down the roster of the Sixers, and of course, all five scores, all five starters scoring double figures. We also have Bellinelli, Eliasova. I mean, McConnell, Johnson, like everybody that played for them scored a handful of, of buckets. And so, with no MKG in there, that just you know, no MKG, and effectively no Kemba, right? Like that's not a recipe for success.
1: And where? Well, first of all, if you're if you're MKG. This is this was as must-win-a-game as it, as it gets for the Charlotte Hornets. If they wanted to make a miracle run to the playoffs, they had to get this game at home against Philadelphia. They really had to sweep the home series after losing all three games to playoff teams on the road. Uh, they, they had to get this game. And then if you're MKG, I understand you're upset about the foul, but you cannot right. get thrown out of the game. When you get your first technical, that has to be it. And then the second thing is, where were his teammates? Like After he gets that first tech, nobody ran over to MKG to get between him and the referee. You see this all the time, and there's a reason for that because guys get hot. They get heated, and they can't control their emotions. They should be able to, but in the heat of battle, they they do get upset, and you need your teammates to come over and say, okay, okay, enough, buddy. Don't get thrown out of the game.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if they just didn't realize what quite was going on until it was too late because... It's not like MKG is super demonstrative, right? It's not like he gets in uh, head-to-heads with refs on a nightly basis. So maybe it just didn't register in time. Maybe maybe they just didn't see what was going on. But um, frustration. <laughs> I mean, that's the word that comes to mind. This whole thing is frustrating to these guys and these players. Um, not getting foul call seems to be the thing that, you know, sets people off these days more than anything. And MKG just went a bit over the line, but yeah, that—that's um, what I was going to mention. That the some point somebody else has got to step in there, but maybe they just didn't realize it was going to escalate quite as fast as it did. But uh, still, uh, you can't See, have. See, you're that. so
1: you are David. You are you are I'm just a trying to look from all angles. You're letting you're letting them off the hook. I'm not going to let them off the hook because this again, I, I think you have to understand the situation. And the situation was they absolutely needed to win this game, and they needed his defense. Someone on Twitter was uh, uh, tweeting us that, that it wasn't a big deal because, you know, Trevion Graham would have been a fine replacement. I mean, that's just not that's not true. Uh, they needed Michael Kick Gilchrist. They needed his defense uh, when, when you're having to uh, have him guard Ben Simmons, who was 8 of 9 fine. from the field, 16 points, by the way. Uh, you know, Trevion Graham has played well. He played well in this game, five of nine, uh, 12 points, uh, against, a lot of that against Ben Simmons. Um, but Simmons, Covington, Saric was seven of 11 for 19 points. And, and they do a lot of pick and roll. They they make you switch. And so, you know, the assignment, it wasn't just Ben Simmons that Michael K. Gilchrist had to guard. He was often getting switched on to Sarich. And Saric had a great night as well. So, they needed MKG. They needed all of their starters to play well, and they just didn't have enough tonight. Hornets lose again, uh, one twenty-eight to one fourteen. Final score that drops the Hornets to twenty-eight and thirty-seven. And really, David, you and I have been sort of—it's—I know you've been catching up on ER on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's—I'm sure in ER, like all of the medical dramas, they have this like classic scene where one doctor gets uh, really friendly with one of the patients, and then. The the patient dies or or goes into cardiac arrest or whatever, and the the doctor, like, won't let the patient die. And all the other doctors are like, no, they're gone. You have to call it. Call it. And it's, like, this big emotional scene, right? Yeah.
0: Sometimes the good thing about ER is it's super real. So, like, sometimes (laughs) they're not sometimes they're not even that emotional. They're just like, man, it's been an hour. Uh, you got to call, call it. it. And he's just sitting yeah. there
1: just you pumping the chest Still over and over. Crying, yeah. Like, look, man, you got. It. So that's been us. We've been we've been really we're really we love this team. We're friendly with this team. We've gotten to know this team. And this team is a human being to us and not just a patient. And we're we've just been just for an hour we've just been you know trying to revive this patient, and somebody comes in the room and says, "Guys, guys, it's
0: over. we we need the room
1: <laughs> you've gotta you've gotta call it It's six forty six a m on a Wednesday, and I think the Hornets playoff chances are are on the table, yeah, so unfortunately, I mean, it's been a disappointing season, and we'll have plenty of time over the next couple of weeks to recap what happened and then look forward. Uh, to what's going to happen. They're certainly not mathematically eliminated, I want to make that clear. But I think realistically, uh they they are they are out of it. I mean and and just again, time and situation. Like you look at this situation, yep. it was a must win. MKG gets thrown out of the game. Kimball Walker has a disappointing game. They they needed to play defense. They couldn't <clears throat> So it's it's going to be a tough road ahead for the Charlotte Hornets, and they've got a lot they've got a lot to figure out. One thing they've they really need to figure out is what they have in Malik Monk, and he got a chance to play backup point guard last night. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Quick break. You're listening to Locked on Hornets.
0: This is Locked On Hornets.
1: i got a couple of rookies here. i got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continued success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones.
0: Which I would love to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things.
1: This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked On
0: Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: All right, so Hornets backup point guard Michael Carter-Williams was out last night with a shoulder sprain debating on whether he wants to have surgery on that shoulder or try to rehab it. Uh, Surgery would put him out for the remainder of the year. Malik Monk steps in at backup point guard, a role he played at the beginning of the season with MCW recovering from a knee procedure Steve Clifford has said many times he believes that Monk will have to learn the point guard position to be successful in the NBA because of the limitations that come with his size. Now Clifford said before this game that they would run less sets to make it easier for Monk to organize the offense, a.k.a. sort of make the right pass that would set up whatever set they run. So they wanted to just sort of simplify the offense for him play more towards his strength, his ability to create off of simple, you know, pick and roll uh decision making. Uh David, he gets he gets the uh the minutes at backup point guard. How do you think he did last night?
0: Well, it's interesting because it's kind of a catch 22, right? Like we've been talking all year how it's not really a great fit for him, but they also have to play him at the, I think at this point, mm-hmm. uh certainly once it's mathematically clear that they're absolutely out of the playoffs. They've got to play him. Uh and we got a question on Twitter the other day, Doug, about should they give Paige a look, Marcus Page who was up last night. Should they give Julian Stone a look? I mean, no, they they've got to figure out what they have in monk right now. Um, so they need to play him wherever. It's still gonna be tough for him to play the point guard. I mean that's you know, they're trying to make that happen and trying to make it as easy as they can on him. I was actually kind of encouraged. I've been encouraged by his ability to to dish i mean his ability to, to, to try and set up a potential assist for other guys oh, he's a good passer. Th- you know yeah i think that's one area that that has been okay it's just so much of everything else that the point guard has to do uh is is a big leap for him right mm-hmm. now um and, and i think you know that's okay <laughs> considering where he is it's just not good for him or the team as far as results you know on the floor right like Uh, he didn't play point guard in college. He played point guard in high school. And Clifford's been adamant that he's going to have to be able to play point guard in the NBA, so you have to play him there. It's just not going to be a lot of success right now.
1: Yeah, he started the game off with a bucket off the attack and a nice assist to Zeller. He looked looser. He looked more confident. Clearly, they were trying to get him to push the ball, get him out into transition. He was successful at doing that at Kentucky, uh, the production wasn't necessarily there. He finished the game three of ten, one of six from beyond the arc, nine points. Um, so I thought, just sort of looking at him, he looked more th- the most confident that I've seen him since maybe that Milwaukee game way back in the way back. Mm, you man. know when he I think 25 he had twenty five points. points that game, right? So th- so he didn't have the production that he had that night. But I thought he looked similar in, in in how confident. And if you ask him, he says, "I'm I'm ultra confident. I'm ne- I'm never nervous. Never lost. <laughs> never. <laughs> I'm never i I'm, I'm never nervous. But uh, at the same time, he just he hasn't looked. Maybe nervous isn't the right word. Maybe not confident isn't the right word. But not comfortable. You know, he's he's and he's not." Yeah. Um, he's not necessarily like making the right decision all the time and things aren't being run for him all the time. So it's been a weird situation, but uh, I thought he, I was encouraged last night as well. He still, the thing is with Malik Monk, and I was talking with several people about this last night, it's a long road ahead for Monk. There are going to, there are going to be nights where he has great games where we all overreact and we say, oh, Malik Monk, he's a future star. And then he's going to have some god awful games because I think he's going to get more minutes next season. And he's going to have some terrible games where we all overreact and say, oh, God, this was a, a bust pick. You know, he's never going to amount to anything. So we've got that to look forward to next season. But <laughs> but this is a long road. It, you have to understand think about Kimball Walker, David. Like Kimball Walker completely turned his career around by getting into the gym, living in the film room taking a jillion shots and and basically creating a three-point shot out of thin air that he did not have when he came into the league. That's what it's going to take with Malik monk as well. I mean this all comes down. there's no like secret potion that the coaching staff could give him no no set of plays that they could teach him to make him successful. This is all going to be about Malik Monk's commitment uh, to to getting into the gym and to figuring out how to play. Uh, both NBA point guard and NBA level competent defense, right? Not 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 elite defense. I don't think he'll ever be an elite defender, but just competent defense. And if Malik Monk does that over the next couple of off seasons, I think you saw the athleticism, David. You saw him sky yeah. for for yeah. a few of the. He he tried to kill Dario Saric, and <laughs> and then late in the game he got up for that that big dunk. Like he has the tool set. And, and but can he learn to be a carpenter? That's going to be the question,
0: right? And well, I mean, that's the infusion of athleticism that we thought they were trying to get with these two draft picks in Bacon and Monk. And like you said, it it's there, you can see it. But the, the 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 combo that I want to see, and I think they have to be able to get a look at, is playing he and Kemba together. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's scary to imagine that, Doug. But look, if this roster stays the same, more or less moving forward isn't that something that's, they have to see if they can
1: no. do no no david you I, don't think so no because look, look what happened last night
0: i, I mean i know look it's look what philadelphia pretty, but look,
1: was able where... to do when not when they when they played those two together but just when you play Kimball walker and you play a point guard that's 6 foot 10 that's the future of the nba look yeah. our, our kids david are going to be watching nba basketball where 6 foot 10 point guards are the norm like the game is just constantly getting bigger stronger faster more athletic and Ben Simmons is only the beginning they're going to they're going to be watching two things they're going to be watching all of the point guards being like 6-6 six, six or over and they're going to going to be watching everyone running high pick and rolls from the half court line like, that's I'm, – I'm serious. Like, you see Damian Lillard. You saw – I think Saric or no, Bellinelli took one almost from the logo last night. Like, this is this is the future of the NBA. So, no, like, playing – that's – you can't play those well, two together. Like, you have know, to find a guard to play with him that makes sense.
0: Well, I know. You mentioned McCollum. Uh, Lillard, he and McCollum are, are that type of backcourt, and, and they're able to find success. I mean, that's not an easy thing to replicate. I'm just saying I don't know what other – alternatives they have to jolt this team and this offense into some success. Um, I, I don't think that's what they're going to do off the bat. I think they've tried to find some ways to do that this season. I mean, you've seen it when they have a small backcourt on the other side where they can try and take advantage of it, play Malik out there. Um, they've they've done it. It's just not many nights you can do it because of the thing you mentioned. I mean, people are getting bigger and it puts them at such a, such a disadvantage. But uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I just think for them to have success, a lot of times they're going to have to put their best guys, their most talented group on the floor. If he's going to be a part of that, then Kemba's going to be a part of that too unless they you know, totally flip up this roster. So we'll see. I mean, it's not a pretty sight right now. I know that. But you know, they've got to figure out what they have in them, and they've got to figure out if they can play them with their best player.
1: I want to read this part of the uh, Steve Clifford pregame comments uh, on Malik Monk. This was on Malik getting his offense – in, in a different way in the NBA than he was getting it at Kentucky. Uh, Clifford saying, at Kentucky, he scored a lot in the open court. In the NBA, n- nobody scores near that amount. I mean, he was over close to seven points a game on the fast break. That's never happening in this league. That's a big chunk of offense that you're never going to get in this league. So it, it makes it more critical to be efficient it, is what you do – to get points in the half court. And the other part of that is when you're scoring seven points a game in transition, you're getting layups, you were getting in rhythm. So that's the other part of it. So some insight from Clifford, who has probably watched more Malik Monk film than all of us combined uh, saying, look, you know, a big part of his offense was getting out on the move, pushing it, getting into transition, getting easy baskets that inflated his scoring and also got him into a rhythm, and that's what, what what we've seen Malik Monk struggle with most offensively, is just his shots not going down, and you know he, he's rarely found that groove that made him so attractive as as a as a college player, David.
0: Yeah, and that's all he had to do at Kentucky, right? I mean, he was just running around screens, and De'Aaron Fox was setting things up and getting him involved. It's interesting because Fox and, and Monk are about the same height, uh, so there was another small backcourt. But in college, doesn't matter as much. And so, yeah, it's completely different. He's gotten more responsibilities as the point guard out there. He can't just run off things. Um, so I don't know. You know, if they, I wonder if when MCW gets back, you know, is that a look they look at?
1: Well, I think as the, well, I think they really need to look at the record, look at the road ahead. And get honest with themselves. not not do a Chicago Bulls. don't <laughs> don't get caught by the NBA for for tanking. They got the warning apparently. they have they're, they're having discussions right now about about not starting Robin Lopez. Uh, so don't do anything like that, but I think you have to start evaluating some of your younger talent sooner rather than later. Maybe they wait mm-hmm. until they are officially mathematically eliminated so that you give some deference to the veterans that are there to make the playoffs before completely seeding the rest of the season. But at the same time, I think you do – and if you're Michael Carter Williams, do like why oh, do you – why, why would you rehab? And, I mean, other than to maybe – he was getting into a little bit of a groove – post all-star break and and he wants a couple couple more opportunities to show himself off uh before free agency but i'm not sure why so we, you would not why you would rehab and just not have the surgery and
0: right so we should mention that he could have looked to have surgery on that shoulder which would effectively put him out for the rest of the yeah. season right yeah
1: so i don't know why if you're michael carter williams why you would not go ahead and have that surgery do that. I, I don't know that there's much you could do I, I mean i'm sure he's a competitive guy he wants to get out there and play but at the same time, I I, I think you you, you got to do what's best for your body. But uh, he, will, he will be making that decision, I'm sure, soon. Uh, we are going to make a decision to take a quick break. And when we come back, some interesting numbers on the Charlotte Hornets bench, which Michael Carter-Williams is a part of, could be key as we sort of recap what went wrong this season. We'll have those numbers for you in a moment. This is Locked On Hornets.
0: You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Think about that. If they won 15 games, if they win 15 and 0. They'd be a lot better.
1: <laughs> right? Wait, hold on. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking Just news. Hold that Whoa. sound
0: bite. You know, I wasn't about to try to do some math. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: So, I retweeted this graph from Adam Fromall on Twitter. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. And this graph is how each NBA team's bench has fared on offense and defense this season by rating. And it shows the logo for each team. And however big the logo is, is how many minutes the benches have played this season. David, and he's got it broken up into four quadrants. And the Hornets, this is not surprising to anyone who has watched the Hornets bench this season, falls into the bad offense, bad defense category. Right. So uh, they are surrounded by teams like the Nets, the Bulls, the Suns, and the Kings, all teams firmly at the bottom of their conferences. This was noticed by Andrew on Twitter, who tweets us and says, look at the teams that are around the Hornets on this graph. The fact that our bench is as bad, if not worse than the worst teams in the league just shows how good our starters really are to drag them along.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, And they don't play a lot either. I mean, the Hornets logo is relatively small and there's some surprising things on this. You would expect to see teams like the Warriors and the Rockets who are way out front and have good offense and good defense. But you get the Mavs in there too, Doug, a, a little surprising. Their bench plays quite a bit. They are grouped in with the Heat, the Jazz, and the Cavs, and the Raptors along with those two teams I just mentioned as the only ones out there with good offense and good defense. A bit of an anomaly there because I don't think the Mavericks are going anywhere this season. But – um you know, just goes to show you that's a great point, pointed out to us that the starters are effectively doing their job, um, but with no bench. Yeah. Yeesh. Well, you, I was gonna know, say, I mean, yeah. you can
1: definitely look at it that way, or you could say they the team sacrificed an ability to sign quality depth by re signing mm-hmm. Nick Batum and Marvin Williams to solidify that starting lineup in that year of big money. I mean, signing yep. Batum and signing Marvin. Locked money away that they could have used. I'm not saying they should not have signed both of them, but or or, or one or the other. But I, I think that that decision trickled down and and uh, hurt their ability to sign quality bench play. Uh, but it does. He, he's exactly right, though. The starters and and this is pointed out by Clifford very often that this starting unit has a great point differential, great plus minus, one of the better ones in the league. Uh, when, when those five guys are on the court together, uh, the Hornets play well. Uh, so Shane on Twitter asks, is this just a personnel issue or coaching and game style, David, that, that accounts for this these bench woes?
0: Uh, for me, it's mostly personnel. I mean, you see he's coming off that bench. You see him, the difficulty they've had to mesh together. At least you've gotten a little bit of a, of a two-man combo in, in Frank and Lamb, which we said pretty much had to happen for any of this to be successful, but, of course, the gaping hole at backup point guard has been an issue, mm-hmm. you know, basically over the last three or four seasons. Uh, you take out the Jeremy Lin season and every other season. Besides, that one has been an issue. Uh, they've just got to get better. I mean, it, that's been the talk of, you know, the issue for this team. Once the starters go out, the the bench cannot sustain it. Um, so it's, it's a talent thing for me.
1: I agree with all of that. I think it's definitely more personnel than anything else. They don't have enough shooting on that bench, not enough playmaking. Uh, their most consistent offensive threats are Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky, which happen to be some of their more inconsistent defensive threats. So they have that issue at times as well, though uh, Frank Kaminsky is going through one of the better stretches of his career. Lamb has certainly improved, so they have improvements. But, yes, the gaping hole at backup point guard it has been their their biggest issue. Uh, I want to go back to something you say said early in this segment and disagree with you a little bit in that you think the logo is small. I think the re- logo is relatively big, which reflects. I mean, it's not as big as like the the Phoenix Suns who are playing all of their bench players to find out what they have. The Kings as well, but it is it is somewhat. I, I would say it's average, and uh, you you compare that with. What looks like a smudge on the graph, it looks like an error on the graph, but it's not. If you zoom in, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, my God. I didn't see
0: that. It's right above,
1: yeah, it's right above the G in good thought... offense in the upper uh, right quadrant. Yes, uh, Tibbs, uh, Coach Thibodeau, the coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, notorious for not playing his bench, and it has definitely played out that way with his new team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, he's, he's notorious for running his stars into the ground. and uh, But here's the thing. The Minnesota Timberwolves are sixth in the Western Conference. He knows that he has a good starting unit, and he plays them, probably to the detriment of their health. But at the same time, I want to repeat, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves are sixth in the Western Conference. They are currently in the playoff race. Now, there, there is a legitimate question They've lost two in a row. Can they sustain that? Will they fall out late because they've got tired starters? That's yet to be determined, but they don't have a bench player that plays over 20 minutes a game. Jamal Crawford is sitting at a little above 19 minutes a game. They play most of their starters you know, 30 to 37 minutes a night. And the question that I have, is, is Clifford to blame for not rolling out Kimba Dwight batum for 35 to, to 39 minutes a night and playing the bench less
0: it feels like he maxes out Kimball most nights as well as dwight and those two guys have been pretty healthy all year um you know the starting unit as a whole has been good but they don't have uh, a trio of potential all-stars like the wolves do and butler Wiggins, who's, who's, who's not an all-star, but who you know, who's at that level or, or peaking into that group. And, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who's two, you got two young players in that group with a, a guy in his prime and an all-star who can show them how to do some right things. And, and, and that group has been trying to peak for, for quite some time now. And, and that addition has helped them do that. So I don't know what else you could ask, especially out of Kimball Walker. Um, and, you look at the fit with Dwight Howard. That's been a discussion point all year. With people that are pointing to him as not quite gelling and certainly not leading to success. So I just don't know how much more he can put Kimball Walker out there. He's got to rest him some, and and, and as well as the other group. And you know, this the Batum who you're asking to be the second guy hasn't played well. We just got a year, comment from Coach.
1: T- we just got a comment from Coach Thibodeau, and he says, "Does he? Does he have to rest him?" That's his comment.
0: <laughs> is uh, that a rule?
1: That that's not a rule, right? Uh, Adam Silver's cool with me playing Jimmy Butler forty <laughs> minutes a night, right?
0: We'll see how that pays off for him. Yeah, well, we'll see.
1: But that's my but that's my but, thing, but, David. David, but, listen. the 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 goal for this team. Let's well, see. I, I think there's a little bit of uh, uh, of of a conflict here, where where I think the goal for the team is to make the playoffs. And I think what Clifford was trying to do with building the rotation the way he built it and playing the bench the way he played them was because Clifford not only wants to make the playoffs, he wants to win a playoff series. And I think Clifford knows that to do that, he's been around the game long enough. He's coached under great coaches and he's coached uh, for great teams. And he knows to do that you you can't just rely on your starting unit. You have to have solid depth. You have to have players who can step up and play well in the playoffs. And to do that, they have to be they they have to get better, in, uh, uh you know through the season. And to do and to get better through the season, you have to play. So you yeah. I understand it from Clifford's perspective, but I think someone who just wanted the Hornets to make the playoffs could look at this season when when you st- when you step back and look look at this season and say. Why didn't he play the starters more? Like the bench was o- – it was obvious to everyone by game 20 that this bench did not have enough.
0: Right. Well, there's some people out there that say he shouldn't have been playing a certain starter in Dwight Howard late in games, um, you know, long before now. But as we mentioned, I, mean, I, think, I think injuries played a part in that too. I think if you're having a discussion about the theory. faults of the staff in general, I think one – topic to you can talk about is development. I mean, that's a bit of a different one, and it has something to do with playing time, but certainly the development, the internal development of these players, particularly the draft picks, and the slow rate at which they've done that has been something that has hindered this team overall. I mean, it's hard to look at on a night-to-night basis, but I think if that's the big area to me where the coaching staff is really going to have to self-assess over this mm-hmm. off-season, you know, assuming <laughs> assuming everyone is still in place, that's something that just has to get better because you can't go into the draft and add pieces that are not contributing and expect to you know, move forward as a team, make the playoffs, and do the things you
1: want to do. Well, that's the big problem, right, that we will be discussing over the next couple of weeks. The Hornets are going to struggle to remake this bench because they have so much money locked up into their starting unit and uh, uh, into uh, other pieces as well. They are going to struggle to improve depth unless Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk dramatically improve in the offseason. The question of who plays point guard when Kimball Walker still needs to be addressed. When Kimball yep. Walker you know goes to the bench, still needs to be addressed. And Antonio asked this question, which we're not going to answer. We're out of time, but we will answer over the next few weeks. This is the big question that has to be addressed. Is it time for the Hornets to go into rebuilding mode? And if it is, do you get rid of Kimball Walker or try to lock him up? So Antonio, thanks for tweeting us. That's a great question. And we will definitely be answering it over the next few weeks because it is the question lingering in the air with, uh, they're, they're still trying to look for their next front office executive. Will that executive want to come in and shuffle the deck or try to work with what he has to make the playoffs? We shall see. Thanks for listening to this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, where you can, uh, ask your question make your comment and we will read it here on the show subscribe to us on itunes stitcher overcast spotify whatever you use to get your podcast just search locked on hornets we thank you for every subscription and uh, every time you tell a friend uh david and i know somehow we know we we talk to facebook and we talk to twitter and uh and we get their creepy technology and we find out and we really appreciate it (laughs) so uh keep telling your friends about the locked on hornets podcast Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to us on Twitter. We're back again uh, tomorrow for more analysis on the Charlotte Hornets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm sharp.